You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, everybody. So sorry for the delay. Technical difficulties. This thing was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not coming. I'm not showing up tonight. (laughs) Welcome again. Welcome. Give me one second. Let me make sure that you all can see me. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, there we go. Okay. Thank you again for joining me. Again, we are still in our series mindset matters and we are in let's see part two part two let me get my little notes together here we are in part two so today you know i want to talk a little bit about um uh again in our in our uh, mindset matters series let me bring everything around here let's see what's going on i want to talk about the foundation of better the foundation of better see there is a there is a um uh uh a deception that we can move forward or be better without considering what it is that we believe, what system that belief might be uh, 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 resting upon and what um, what what's driving, what's driving um, the our, 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 our goals, what's driving our decisions, what's driving um, our, our, our rate or level of maturation, how are we uh, comprehending what God is saying to us? That is, even if that is God talking to us, because we understand that if our belief system lies in the world, if it rests in the culture, then we understand that we might not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as we think we do. But yet instead, our relationship may lie in the God of this world, who is Satan. So I want to kind of talk a little bit today about what the foundation the foundation of better would look like when we think about a case for better. What exactly will better look like? Again, thank you for joining me. I apologize for the delay. I was having technical difficulties. My screen just went black and I was like, okay, let's try this again. Kind of went out of everything and went back in and thank God everything was still up and waiting for me and I was able to come right in. So again, we're in our Mindset Matters series and I'm talking about today the foundation foundation for better as a means of presenting an actual case for better, a case for better. You see, uh, I guess my key scripture is going to be scriptures. I have two in the NIV version, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This verse alone, it reassures us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that God's plans are filled. They're filled with goodness, with um, the welfare for our well-being and hope. And it conveys an idea that God desires the best for those that believe in him. And he does have a plan for our lives. This scripture is a reminder of God's intent towards those that believe in him and towards those that trust in him. In the message version, which I really like the way it puts the same scripture, it says, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans that will take care of you, not abandon you. Plans that are going to give you the future that you even hope for. 
Hebrews 12 is another verse, another key verse for us tonight. And I'm reading that in the message version in verse 12, one through three, where in chapter 12, verses one through three, where it says, do you see what this all means? All of these pioneers who blazed the way, all of those who have come before us, all of these veterans, they're cheering us on. It means we need to get with it. We need to strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study. Study how he did it. This is what the message version says. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. I'm reading in the Message Bible, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through it that would shoot adrenaline into that alone, I'm sorry, will shoot adrenaline into your souls, into your soul. I love the way this, this uh, version says it, Hebrews 12, uh, verses one through three. So now with those two scriptures in mind, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, knowing that God has a plan for you. Hebrews 12, one through three, understanding that there are those who have gone before you and not to mention Christ himself, who have paved a way for your belief, paved a way for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is time for us to basically get in line. So with that said, I want to talk strictly about belief tonight as the foundation of better. I want to, uh, in the scriptures, show you a little about what the Bible has to say about how belief impacts um, the hope of the, of the believer. And I want you to see why it's so important that we understand what we believe, how it affects our lives, how it affects the outcomes of our decisions, how it affects those outcomes. Now, first, remember, I did give you a back maybe about two weeks ago, go back and listen, a host of definitions that would guide this series. So remember, belief has two Greek meanings. There's pistis in the Greek, and that's faith, the faith to affirm and to have confidence in. And then there's um, pathilo, path no, I don't want to say it like that. P-I-T-H-O, which is to persuade or to be persuaded, to you be used of persuading oneself and the sacred um, significance of being persuaded by the Lord. So those two align with the Lord Jesus Christ. However, in the Greek, there's also pastia, which is a self-serving belief. Remember, that's the opposite. And I related it to belief in the culture, belief in the world system. It has no sacred meaning or um, it doesn't believe, um, point you to a belief that leads to or proceeds from God or, or in birthing of any uh, faith in God. So it means that we can have a belief system in place that is not of God, and yes, call it God, when in fact it is self-serving and it is idolatrous and it only builds on one's self, okay? So remember that definition when I'm talking about the foundation of belief. Which one is it? Because that foundation is going to dictate it's going to dictate our better. And remember last week, I talked about um, serving in the shadows. So it's going to dictate where we serve. Are we serving uh, in, a, in a past tense and, and, and on earth 
a, a, a shadow of what God intended to be a form of practice for us until he came and we could actually walk in uh, the belief of the Lord Jesus Christ and we could serve the true and living God. Are we worshiping a true and living God or are we worshiping a shadow? In other words, a practice of what would be a true and living God. So uh, let's see. Um, better is going to rest on what we believe and everything we manifest, um, especially by the name of this podcast, Manifesting God, will require that we are clear that our belief does not lie in the uh, in the systems within the church as in the gathering place. And remember, I'm saying the systems within the church, not the called out body believers, as in we ourselves are the church, the temple of God. Not that I'm talking about the gathering place, the church and the systems by which through which the church operates. Do our belief lie there or in the culture as in the world? But instead, it should lie in the king, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, which is as taught, I'm sorry, as taught to us through the scriptures as we read our Bibles, okay? So I want you to go to Hebrews 11. I want you to go to Hebrews 11. And I want to begin to walk through uh, what God has given me as far as better beginning with the um, understanding of what it is that we believe. Now, let me see here. I got to go here because everything shut down on me. So I can go back, pull it back up again, pull back up my scriptures. I'm going to go to Hebrews 11. And I think I'm going to go, let's see. I think I'm going to use the NIV version. Okay, so go ahead and, and get your um, get your Bibles open or your apps open <laughs> to, to that. And let's go to Hebrews 11, and we are going to use the, we can use the NIV version. I want to point out something to you that I believe is being shared through these scriptures, that if we dig a little bit deeper, again, it's been there all along, but at times we tend to miss things because we don't take the time to understand exactly what the scriptures or what the writers are trying to tell us, and we don't take the time to really break that down. The scripture begins in Hebrews 11 in the New International Version. It says, now faith is confidence and what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. Now, remember, I read in our hearing at first, I started with Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And um, it was like a summary of those that had come before us and had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what that faith looked like. But I want to further examine that so that we can understand what their example of faith means to us and what it is that we believe, okay? So Hebrews 11 and three, Hebrews 11 and three, it says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made of what is visible. Now get your notes out here because with this scripture, it's telling us that by faith, you know, we see that the world was called into existence. What we see created by what we do not see. So this verse emphasizes the act of faith by stating that by faith, we see, we see the world created God's by God's word, by his word. See, belief there is key. Belief involves a strong conviction or acceptance of something as true, even without direct evidence. In this particular context of this scripture, belief is foundational to perceiving and understanding the world as created by God's word. It underscores the transformative power of faith in shaping our understanding of this world of eternity and contributing to a better spiritually 
enriched perspective. This definition, this scripture aligns with our understanding of faith as pistis, Greek faith, to affirm, to have confidence, to persuade, to be persuaded, used to persuade oneself, a sacred significance of being persuaded by the Lord. You see where I'm going here? So that's our foundation. This is where my understanding is coming from that says that what we believe, what we believe is that foundation to better, that foundation to what is eternal, moving beyond the shadow to what is eternal, right? Eternal. Okay. Number two, number two, understanding, understanding. So the first one would be Believe, believe. That's the first part. And understanding the foundation of better. That foundation rests on what we believe, but it builds, it builds, it builds, it builds to number two, which is the heart. The heart. We look for that um, when we think about verse four, where it says, By faith, Abel bought God a better offering than Cain did. Okay, so in building on that first foundation, we first must engage the heart. Abel's act of faith went beyond the physical act of bringing a sacrifice. It was about the condition of his heart. The word heart, it signifies the inner disposition of Abel. This his sincerity, his genuine belief. His genuine belief that accompanied his sacrifice, his faith was rooted in the heart. It sought to please God. And his sincerity is what made the difference in his offering. This focus, this focus on the heart, it emphasizes the transformative power and genuine, sincere faith for a better relationship with God. So we start off with believe. What exactly is it that we believe when we're considering the foundation of better? We have to consider what exactly it is we believe. And then what we believe, number two, engages the heart. It engages the heart. And that is in 11 Hebrews 11 and 4. So now let's go to Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, where we can see relationship, relationship. See, there we see where Enoch, he pleases God with belief, so much so that he exits and that he cares enough. I'm sorry, that he uh, cares enough. God cares enough to respond to us. This is what relationship with God shows us that he cares enough that when we talk to him, he cares enough to respond. So Hebrews 11, five and six shows us relationship where it says by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he didn't experience death. And I'm going to verse six where it says, and with, oh no, I'm going to continue. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one that pleased God. Faith pleases God. And without faith, verse 6 says, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him has to first believe that he exists. We have to first believe that he even exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that's where I got relationship from, because it says that God cares enough that when we seek him, he's going to respond. He is going to respond to our seeking. So first we start off with that foundation of what it is that we believe. Right. And then upon that, once we figure out what it, we, it is that we believe that is um, in Hebrews eleven three, Now we build on that by engaging the heart, by engaging the heart. Eleven and four. I'm still in Hebrews eleven and four. Right. And then from there, Hebrews eleven, five and six, we have engagement of the heart. Now we have relationship. Now we have relationship. There is no relationship 
no true relationship that you can be in without engaging the heart. Yes, you can be in relationship. Yes, you can. You can be in relationship, but not without your heart. Not without your heart can you be in relationship. It's not true until you're engaged your heart. And I'm going to tell you why when I tell you to look at Hebrews 11. And uh, let's see, I think I'm going to Hebrews 11 and 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith, in keeping with faith. So we see their commitment. We see their commitment. Commitment involves dedicating oneself wholeheartedly, here's that heart again, to a task or course of action. In Noah's case, it played a vital role in the realization of God's plan and the preservation of his family, of his family. So he had that belief then he had that relationship. Then he had he had that belief. I'm sorry. Then he engaged his heart. Then he had relationship. Now there's commitment. Now there's commitment. 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 Okay. Hebrews 11 and 7 represents commitment. I'm going down. Make sure you're getting your notes. So you have so far, you should have number one, belief. Number uh, two, engage the heart. Number three, relationship. Number four, commitment, 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 where you're dedicating your whole heart to a task or course. Noah gave us that example. Then let's keep on going, keep on going. If I have to pick it up next week, I can do that. Let's keep on going. Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham. When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know where he was going. And then it says, number nine, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger and a foreign company. He country, I'm sorry, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Because he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder were God. Whose architect and builder were God. So now we see obedience. Obedience. Number five, obedience. Now let me go back because I just want, I want to be absolutely clear. The foundation. We're talking about the foundation of better. So we understand what lies at that foundation is number one, belief, Hebrews 11 and 3. Once you have your belief in Christ, in Christ, once you have it, right, now we're moving to number two, which is heart. We're moving to heart, right? And then we move to Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, which is relationship. Once we get to relationship, now we have Hebrews 11 and 7, commitment. All of these come by faith. All of these come by belief. It starts with what you believe. Come on, am I, am, am I presenting a case for better? It all starts with what you believe, right? So we have, we stopped at obedience. I think we stopped, yeah, we stopped at number five, obedience right? So now we're moving to Hebrews 11. We're still in Hebrews 11. Now we're moving to 11 and 12, where it says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who made the promise. And so from this one man, as he as good as dead came descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. So here we get, let me see, we were in, we were dead. We get trust. We get trust. Do you see 
how each thing builds on another. But if our belief is not in God, these can all get twisted, twisted in the wrong direction and hinder, change, corrupt our outcomes. We're talking about we're talking about the foundation of better, the foundation of better and how it begins with the Lord Jesus Christ and believing on him. Remember, that's the first scripture I use that he created the earth. Hebrews 11 and three on that belief system. Once you believe it, you engage your heart. Once you engage your heart. Now we're at the point where we got a relationship. If we have a relationship, see how they build on each other. Now we have commitment. If we have commitment, obedience should be no problem at all. Why? Because we have Hebrews 11, 11 and 12, we have trust. We have trust. See, Abraham's willingness to say yes to God's call and to go to an unknown place, it reflects his trust. Not only in God, but God's character, God's promises, and God's guidance. How many of us can say today that we have that level of trust in God where we are willing to go to an unknown place, move at God's word, not even knowing where we're going, not even knowing what we're going to do when we get there? How many of us can say we have that level of trust? See, it makes you start to reconsider what exactly it is that you believe. Are you hesitant when God tells you to move? Are you hesitant when God tells you to go? Do you feel like God should be giving you, you, ma'am, sir, his creation, every detail of everything that he has told you to do, the specifics, the God I serve, he can be very vague at times. He's going to say, go left, but not tell me what I'm going to do when I go left until I go left. He's waiting on me to follow his instruction. As my mother used to say back in the day, do the first thing. He's waiting on you to do the first thing. But no, some of us won't move because we don't have all the details. We have the audacity to stand before God and say, well, you I understand that you told me uh, to go right, but you didn't tell me what was going to happen once I go right or, or what I'm supposed to do when I go right. Perhaps as you move along the way, he will begin to explain to you what you will be doing next. But some of us won't even move along the path that God is directing us until we feel comfortable comfortable that God's got us. Like as if he's going to tell us to go right and then just drop us off and just disappear. Right? So when there's a level of trust that God is expecting. Why? Because we're obedient. Why? Because of commitment. Why? Because of the relationship. Why? Because our heart has thoroughly been convinced what of what we believe. See how it all works together. It's all intertwined and it can make you really question and go back. You can, you can look at this because when you look at this chapter, Paul is telling us a whole lot more than about their, their faith. He's trying to give us an exact message as to what it's going to take to get to uh, such such examples, their levels of faith. He's given us examples of the things they did, but what those things actually exhibited, how those things actually manifested the promises of God in their lives. He's literally showing us this, right? So uh, Hebrews eleven twenty. that next one I'm going down, it says... Um, Let's see. I did I get that skip one? Let's see. I did obedience. I did trust. Okay. 1120, where it says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. What do we see there? 11 and 20. We see purpose. We see purpose. Again, do we see the building? See the building blocks? Excuse me. One cannot happen without the other. One cannot happen. What's my purpose? I don't see my purpose manifesting. I don't know. Uh-oh, better go back and check where your trust is. Go back and check where your obedience is. Because faith says that I trust. 
because the foundation of my faith is believing in God. The foundation is believing in his son. The foundation is even believing in the Holy Spirit that is going to teach me all things. So how come I don't know? My because the Holy Spirit teaches me all things somewhere down the line in there something is not aligned. One of these things are not aligned. So we see here again purpose. See, Isaac's act of faith had a purpose beyond the immediate circumstances. He reached into the future with a specific intention to bless Jacob and Esau. His action that was on purpose. He did it. On purpose, faith, it involves understanding a broader context. It can't be just about us and now. It has to extend past us and now. See, the context and the implications of the context will tell us exactly what our choices are. Are we contributing to the positive and meaning, meaningful outcomes in the long run? What exactly is the purpose? Because the purpose is going to exceed us. Remember, we're not operating in the shadows. We're not operating in the shadows. We're operating on purpose, meaning we're operating outside of time. We're operating where God is eternally. So it's got to extend past us, past us. Isaac could have closed his eyes and not giving much thought to Jacob and Esau's future. But his goal was to shore up, to shore up what 1121 says. Uh, once we understand purpose, we should also understand legacy. Legacy. 11 and 21 says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped. He worshiped as he was dying, as he leaned on the top of his staff. Legacy, legacy. This act was about passing on the legacy, not just of things that he had, uh, but God's blessings. God's blessings, not merely just his own legacy. In this context, it signified a deliberate intention to leave a positive and a lasting impact on a future generation. Jacob's act of faith, it reflects a conscious effort to transmit not only the material blessings, not only his material possessions, but also a spiritual heritage, emphasizing the importance of faith in their future. In their future, it's 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 very um it's very disheartening when people are not concerned. We as believers in God are not concerned at all with legacy. I'm not saying that we have to be consumed with that that comes after us, but we should consider in all that we do exactly what lasting uh, purpose or does that have for the next generation. If everything you're doing is for you right now, in this time, in this day, in this moment, then I question your faith. I question what you actually believe. Believe because faith says the foundation, the foundation of my faith says that I have to believe that Jesus, that God created the earth with mere words. I have to, I, once I believe that, I engage my heart. And now we have a whole relationship. We have, we have commitment. We have trust. We have obedience. We have purpose. And we have legacy. We have <clears throat> legacy. We are actually considering everything we do and how it's going to affect those that come behind us. We want to leave more than material possessions, but we want to leave a spiritual heritage. We want to leave something spiritually for them to grasp hold to, for something, something that is going to um, manifest in their time. So what maybe we've sown even, I mean, this right here is a perfect example. What we've sown, uh, let me see, 1121, what, what Jacob sold in that moment, 
what he sowed in that moment was a was a seed that he himself was not going to reap. They were going to reap. They were going to reap. He sowed faith in them that he couldn't be around, that he wouldn't be around to see. He sold a legacy in them that they would actually reap. See, I question your faith if everything with you is about you. If everything you do supports you, that, uh, that would be the world. And even some in the world wouldn't go that far as to ignore the purpose of legacy. Even some in the world wouldn't even want to not leave their children some type of faith, some type of hope right? So that, that makes you question, okay, wait a minute, where is my faith at that I don't, con that I'm not concerned about legacy? Where is my belief? What is, what exactly do I believe that I could ignore, that I could ignore as leaving a spiritual heritage for my, not only my birth children, but if you're a leader for your spiritual children, for those that follow your ministry, don't you want to leave a spiritual heritage for them, okay, and and maybe not because maybe um, uh, verse number uh, chapter eleven twenty two maybe it's missing where it says by faith Joseph when his end was near spoke he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones perhaps vision is missing this shows us vision. This act involved having a vision for what laid ahead. Some of us don't have a vision for what's in front of us past us. Our vision stops with us. It begins and ends with us. Doesn't have anything to do with what's in front of us. Even in the face of himself dying, his vision, Jacob's, uh, I'm saying Jacob, Joseph, Joseph's vision was intact. And his vision in this particular contest, he was looking forward. He had a looking forward perspective. He saw beyond the present circumstances. So that means that he trusted in God's promises and he trusted in God's plans. You see where trust is woven, woven back into this again, because if we if we refuse to think legacy, if we refuse to allow our vision to extend beyond us, then now we have a trust issue. Now we don't trust in God's promises and God's plans. We have a trust issue. See, Joseph's act of faith, it demonstrated again, the transformative power of having vision for a better future, even when there's challenges present. Even when there are challenges present. Let's see, I think I have time for maybe one more. Oh, maybe two. Okay, so Hebrews 11, 23, where it says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So what do we see there? Okay, here we go. Prophetic insight. Prophetic insight. Joseph's act of faith involved. Oh, wait a minute. Do I got the right one? 20. Oh, I'm on the wrong one. Wait a minute. I did vision. I did vision. And that was 22. 23. I did most. Okay. Yeah. Joseph's act of. Oh, I say Joseph. Um, prophetic insight. It, it, it involves. It signified in this particular case, a deep understanding and revelation of God's plan and his purpose. By faith, his parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw they saw he was no ordinary child. They were not afraid. They were not afraid of the king's rules or the king's regulations. They were not afraid. They hid him because they saw that he was not no ordinary child. That is prophetic insight. Prophetic insight, they had a deep understanding and revelation of God's plan and his purpose. 
his plan and his purpose. Okay? So, I mean, hey, if you if you got lost at 1122 and you didn't have vision, well, we're pretty sure prophetic insight might be missing too. And it all started with the lack of trust. It all started with a lack of trust. So there's a little bit of there are a little bit of holes in the belief system there. And this right here, this chapter is showing us where the holes are, where the holes are so that we can patch it up and, and figure out where it is that we are missing and lacking when it comes to serving God and where it comes to our belief systems, our belief system. So then if we look at Hebrews 11, 24 through 28, those verses right there, where it talks about Moses growing up and it talks about how he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. And um, it talks about there in verse 26, how he regarded um, disgrace for the sake of Christ, right? Uh, as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. And then it says in verse 27, by faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger again. See, remember, they put him away because they didn't fear anger. Already we see his spiritual heritage showing up. He didn't fear the king's anger either, right? He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. You see that? You see that legacy just by hiding him. They, they infused in him a legacy of faith where they weren't scared of the king's rules and regulations concerning the boys at that time. So they hid him and they infused that legacy of faith in him till he grew and he didn't fear the king's anger because he saw that he saw suffering for the sake of Christ more worth more than the treasures of Egypt. And he saw the Bible says it. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Verse 28, by faith, he kept the Passover and the application of the blood, even though he wasn't raised as his people, he still kept their traditions. He kept them. And it says, so that the destroyer of the firstborn, right place? Okay, yep. He kept the Passover and the application of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. So by faith, Moses, when he was grown, he refused the, the, the privileges of Egyptian of the Egyptian royal house. What do we see here? We see discernment. We, de we see discernment. So number 11 is discernment. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunity, an opp the opportunity to uh, live in sin with his oppressors. He valued, he valued suffering. Because he had discernment, he valued suffering for the for uh, suffering in the Messiah's camp for greater. He said that that was worth more. That was worth more than all of the Egyptian gold to suffer for God. It was worth more. It was worth more. Do you see how legacy matters? How they how they just by hiding him and no doubt covering him. No, that, that they were able to give him a spiritual legacy that he began to see what was even invisible. He began to see an invisible God and he trusted an invisible God. He trusted, he even trusted him enough to suffer rather than have the riches of the Egyptians because he could have lived that life, but he chose it because he had discernment. See, if your discernment if your discernment doesn't put others before you, then I question your discernment. If your discernment doesn't, doesn't um, cause you to, to uh, again, circling back around, we're back to this word trust. If your discernment doesn't cause you to trust what you cannot see and trust God in a sense that uh, you're willing to suffer for his namesake, even though as um, as Abraham, you don't even know what's around the next corner, but you're going to go around the next corner. See how trust is moving. See how these are all kind of intricately sewn together. The detail of just simply understanding how my faith, all these things, all these things, my belief system, what I believe in, 
can affect. It can affect my discernment, my prophetic insight, my vision. All of these things, the foundation of what I believe. They're at the foundation of what I believe. So if my belief isn't aligned, it's not aligned with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not aligned with God. First, let's start at the very beginning. If I can't even believe that God created the earth with his words, he created the world, he formed it with his words, formed me. You can, if I can't even believe that, then you can see where these scriptures are showing us where other things are going to be affected. And they can tell us a lot. These things to me tell us a lot about the uh, state of our faith. The state of our faith. Oh, I might change it. The state of our faith, okay? So Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. What did this represent? When they passed through the Red Sea, it represented a dependency. Number 12, dependency. The act of faith by Israel involved dependency on God's miraculous intervention. Some of us are right there today. You are depending on God's miraculous intervention. You have done all that you can do. And you're sleeping good at night because you're dependent upon God. Your faith is intact. Your faith is intact because you are wholly dependent on God. Israel's dependency on God's power. They were dependent on his guidance. And because of that, they were able to experience his remarkable deliverance. Get it out. His deliverance. They were able to experience his miraculous deliverance. Okay. Uh, let's see how many more I got. Uh, okay. I'm going to stop right here. I got, oh, well, well, I only got two more. Two more, y'all. Okay. I'm going to go right Two more. Hebrews 11 and 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. What do you got there? 13, persistence, persistence. This act of faith, this act of faith represented persistent. It implied steadfastness, determination, a refusal to give up despite the challenges, right? So their faith in this particular case, their belief, it played a crucial role in the miraculous walls falling down. That required their faith. They could have never seen a miracle like that if they did not believe. Persistence is key, ladies and gentlemen. It, it again, again, persistence leads to that transformative power, that transformative power, that continuous Faith driven, those actions over and over again relate to, they, they drive you right into transformation. It helps you to see the miraculous that God is performing right before your eyes. My last one, number 14, Hebrews 11 and 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed, and those who were disobedient transformation. That one is transformation. Why? Because her act of faith, for her act of faith, she had to transform her allegiance and she had to transform her trust. She shifted from her previous way of life to align herself with the God of Israel. This this actually transformation here implies a positive change in your beliefs, in your attitude, and in your action, okay? It can even, as it did with Rahab, it causes you to escape destruction, okay? So we have, first of all, our foundation of belief, right? And we have that in Hebrews eleven three, And then we talk about how it engages the heart. Abel's act of faith, which is in verses... Um, 11 and 4. And then we went to Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, relationship. Hebrews 11 and 7, commitment. Hebrews 11, 8 to 10, obedience. Hebrews 11, 11 and 12, trust. And then verse 20, purpose. Verse 21, legacy. Verse 22, vision. Verse 23, prophetic insight. 28, discernment. And 29, dependency. 
30 persistent and 31 transformation. I want you ladies and gentlemen, go back, do your homework, double check, look at these things and let's see where our faith might be lacking because if our faith is lacking, we will see in one of these areas, shaky ground. And then we know where things need to be shored up. In, okay. We're checking our belief systems. Again, lady and ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about the foundation of better. Now, before you go, before you go, before you go, let me pray with you. And then we shall be moving on and I shall see you on next week. Again, thank you for your patience. I'm so sorry that I got caught up. My system went down, but I thank you for tuning back in. And I hope that this blessed you. And if it blessed you, I only ask that you share it with someone else and we'll continue our series on next week. Let me pray with you. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today for life, for health, for strength, and for peace. And I just ask you today, God, as we begin to study this, which you've presented to us today, God, that you will begin to prick our heart Prick our conscious God and cause us to make the necessary changes to shore up our foundation as in what we believe. We thank you, God, that everything you're doing in us and through us in this season is good and it's maturing us for the greater works. We bless your holy name. We give you all glory and honor. And we thank you for being the wonderful God that you are that keeps us from day to day. In Jesus name, I pray and I thank you. I thank you so much for joining me on this evening. And again, if you'd like to donate to this podcast, I will put the information on the screen. And I thank you all those who do donate to this podcast. I do so much so appreciate you and have a good evening. Have a good week. And I shall see you on next week. Everyone have a good week. I'll be praying for you. Remember, if you're under the sound of my voice, I am praying for you. God's going to do a marvelous work for you on this week. Take care and see you next week. Mm -hmm.